0: praise God. Well, for those of you that don't know me, I'm Pastor Jose. I'm the lead pastor in the Church of the Bridge, and it's a pleasure to have you here today. How many of you made a choice today to have a good day? Some of us, we approach life from the standpoint of we choose as life presents itself, and then there are others that choose how life turns out. You know, our choices are powerful. Would you agree? Today we're going to be starting a new series entitled, This or That. This or That. And this series is really about making choices. And the importance of making the right choices between whatever this is in your life and that is in your life. You know, if you think about it, choices are a lot like trails. They always lead somewhere. Choices always take us somewhere. And so, I'll give you an example of that. Imagine that you find yourself in a tight situation. Just imagine, whether you're a mother or a father, I know some of you are younger, you'll get there someday. I want you to imagine that you're a single parent and you're strapped to the T with finances and you don't know how you're going to make it this month. And all of a sudden, out of coincidence, you get a letter in the mail. It's from a credit card company and it has these big bold letters this is just for you. And you open up this envelope and when you look at it, you realize that they say that you have just qualified instant, uh, uh, instant approval. You've qualified for instant approval of a $10,000 credit card if you respond within the next 15 days. And then the fine print right at the bottom says your interest rate will be $24.99 starting. And it will fluctuate After six months, every month. You're strapped to the T. You don't know how you're going to make it. What do you choose? Do you choose this offer? Or do you take the time to find out what that might be? What's something else? What the other option is? Do you do it or don't you? Do you choose the immediate over the imminent unwanted consequences? Imagine asking the Lord for direction for your life. Something that you've been seeking uh, some some answers for some clarity from for some time, and you finally arrive at that place where well, you're at peace. You've settled in your heart that God's word says is only to find yourself all of a sudden with something that seems more appealing, despite what you've received from God's word. Do you pursue this, or do you stick with that which God told you? Do you choose what appeals? over what is approved unto you by God. Listen, uh, folks, we've all been there with choices. Oh, I don't know which one to do. I don't know which choice to make. Uh, We'll turn to people that we trust. We'll turn to people that we shouldn't to. We'll consult information. Some of us, we experience certain symptoms. And if you're like me, at one point many years ago, I had an issue with my knee and I went and I looked online at WebMD. The worst thing you could ever do. I self-diagnosed this was over 10 years ago. I self-diagnosed my knee and forget about it. I was ready to go to surgery. Didn't know any better. Choices. We all face them. We all have to make them. You know, statistics tell us that the average person will make 6 to 12 life-altering decisions in their lifetime. 6 to 12. That's the average. We make thousands of decisions daily, what we eat, what we wear, how we spend money, the attitudes we take, the routes we'll take, how we respond to things, how, how, we, how we treat people. But only 6 to 12 decisions, statistically, are life-changing ones. A relationship, a career move, a bad choice, a good choice. The problem is that in the midst of the billions of decisions that we will make in a lifetime, we never know when one, just one of those decisions, could turn out to be a life-changing decision. You know, one of the best decisions I ever made in my life was getting to know that woman that you know is my wife, Pastor Annette. But I'm going to be frank with you. It wasn't a decision that I wanted to make. It wasn't even one that I wanted to consider at one point in my life. I was down and out. I, was, uh, I wasn't... In the, I wasn't in a, in a place where I can hear from the Lord. I, I wasn't surrounded by people that were encouraging. I was kind of out on my own making some really bad choices as a young adult had made bad choices since I was a teen and I was paying the consequences for those things. And I was tired and sick and tired of being sick and tired. I want to change. I want to change. I wanted something different. I just didn't turn to the right place. And so... In the midst of this, this stage of my life, I find myself going on an interview. The thing about it is that I had another job offer from a company in Long Island City, Queens, and it was a pretty good opportunity. But a friend of mine recommended that I check out this place and I sent my resume and they gave me a call and I go on this interview and when I get to this interview, I knock on the door and they, open, they buzz me in and they're, they're, they're behind this glass is this beautiful woman. I can say that now because I know her to be beautiful both inside and out. But back then, I was blind to her beauty. And I was blind to the God that she knew. I knew God. I was saved. I knew Jesus as my Lord and Savior since I was a young man. I just didn't know His word. I didn't know what relationship with God was like. It did not compute in my mind that God loved me. We've all been there at some point. And so, I walk in and she she says, hey, good looking, how you doing? No, she didn't say that. She didn't say that. She says, good morning, Mr. Vasquez. I recognize you have a 10 o'clock interview, whatever. Uh, Why don't you come on in? I got some paperwork to fill out. So I'm filling it out and she's chatting me up, right? Oh, so uh, what position are you applying for? And oh, okay, how'd you find the ride down here? What do you think about the air? And honestly, in my mind, I was so hurt. With my own choices and the own consequences that I was reaping in my life that i wasn 't really listening to her. I fill out my application, I give it to her, they call me in. long story short, I get the job. The thing about it is that this job was paying less than the other job that I had that, that they had already offered me and But there was something about this organization, something about this company that was different while they were paying less there was a draw in my heart that I didn't understand at the moment that began to pave a path to shape me to see what service is unto people. And so, I made a decision that my friends, my sister who I was living with at the time was like, bad move, bad move. You're going to take $10 an hour over $16 an hour. And in my mind, and mind you, I know that's peanuts today. It was peanuts then too, trust me. But it was, there was something about this opportunity. And so I made a choice. But that choice opened up the door to getting to know my wife. That choice opened the door to my heart, seeing Jesus in a completely different way than what I've known at the time. That choice opened up the door. And it's still paving a path in my life to this day. One choice. One life-altering choice. Choices. You know, in football, they say that uh, there's about 120 plays per game. But it's estimated that less than five of those plays in a game determine the outcome. A famous coach once said, we have to play every play as though it could be a game-changing play. What an interesting concept if we approach the life that way, because the same is true in our lives. Our choices matter because they have power to alter our lives. Have you ever thought about that? The simplest choices to put on a seatbelt, to speed or not to speed, to cross the, to cross the street when you're not supposed to, or to crossing, even though you're not supposed to. To go this way versus that way, choices have impacts. They impact our life. And as we get started today, I'd like to invite you to a place of decision as a means of practicing what we will be talking about for the next several weeks. And I want to ask you this question. Would you like me as a pastor to be that pastor who only tells you nice things? And talks about feel-good topics that pat you on the back and bless your little heart. Or would you prefer that I be a pastor who loves you enough to speak the truth? And to openly speak of issues, real issues, real choices that we face in life. That it would serve us best to really consider the wisdom and revelation from God's word. You know why that's important? Because when we have the right information and when we have the right perspective and we're following after the right God, the right king, the right kingdom, when that's that's the, that's what informs our lives, we'll experience the promises of God. We'll grow and ultimately we'll make wise choices. And so... It seemed like almost everybody here would prefer me to just speak truthfully. So being that you've said that, and being that we're already practicing life-changing choices already, I'd like to talk to you about choices today. And specifically, I want to start off by making this statement to you, that our choices don't just matter to us. They matter to God. I want to show you that from Scripture. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Deuteronomy. Chapter 30, verses 15 through 19. Starting at verse 15. It says, now listen. Tell your neighbor, hey, that's you. It says, now listen. Tell your other neighbor, that's me. me. Yeah. Now listen, today I am giving you a choice between life and death. Between prosperity and disaster. For I command you this day to love the Lord your God and to keep his commands, decrees, and regulations by walking in his ways. If you do this, you will live and multiply. And the Lord your God will bless you and the land you are about to enter and occupy. But if your heart turns away and you refuse to listen... And if you are drawn away to serve and worship other gods. I want you to remember that point there. Then I warn you now that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live a long good life in the land you are crossing the Jordan to occupy. Today, I have given you the choice between life and death. Between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven... And on earth, to witness the choice that you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. I want you to notice something here. That while God gives us the option of life, it's up to us to choose those outcomes. Not many people today make decisions based on outcomes. We go on impulse. We go on desire. We go on quote unquote need. I just need that iPhone 10. Do you need to pay the $990 that it's going to cost you? Oh, but Verizon's got a great deal right now, Pastor. Pastor. They'll break it up and they'll add only 20 more dollars to your account. Hmm. Really? Choices. I want you to think about this. Deuteronomy 30, 19. I'm going to read it from the King James Version. says this. I call heaven and earth to record this day. It says that I have set before you life and death. Blessing and cursing. Therefore, here's what God says. You've got a choice. But he says, why don't you choose life? Why don't you choose the path that I'm revealing to you according to my word? Why don't you choose my ways? Why don't you choose to agree with my promises? Why don't you choose to agree with my, my, my purposes and my plan for your life? Why don't you choose to agree with what I started in you? He says, choose life. That word record there means to bear witness, to affirm, to testify to that which has been done. You know why that's important to note here? Because God says, here's what I've done. I've given you life. I've given you blessing. I've given you new places to step into. I've blessed you coming in and blessed you coming out. I've healed you. I've provided for you. I've, I've created you anew. I've given you a new identity. I've given you a new plan. I've given you a new destination point. I've given your life meaning. But you choose. You choose. I find it interesting in verse 17, if we could put that back up, that it says, but if your heart turns away and you refuse to listen, and you are drawn away, watch this, to serve and worship other gods. Now you know what's interesting about that, that God here is presenting a choice to his people. That doesn't exclude us. While he was speaking to the people of Israel, we all still have a choice. Can you agree with that? Yes. We all have choices to make. And those choices have two roads that you can take us on. It's a trail to follow. But what's interesting here is that when God says, if you turn away from the choice that I give you, he equates that path to following after other gods. Some of you didn't get that. When we don't choose what God presents to us, when we don't follow after what God's word declares to us, when we set aside the promises and the plans that God reveals to us according to his word, because, man, you know, I just want to do me. I just, I just want to do something for me. Here's what God says. You're worshiping other gods. You know why? Because he's, he's not at the center of it. Hmm. Well, that went over a lot harder than I thought. <laughs> God will not make choices for you. But he does give you the choice to make. He gives you and I the choice to make. And so today, I'd like to talk to you about the role that we play when faced with decisions. By reminding you that no matter what this may be or that may be in the midst of your choices, that it's your choice. It's your choice. And the reason why I want why, we, why we're going to start there this week, is because many times we pawn our choices. And the results of them on people. If they hadn't done this, if I hadn't had that type of upbringing, if this person hadn't said that, if they hadn't reacted this way, if this hadn't, uh, if this would have happened instead of that in my life, I would be here today versus there. And what we fail to see in the midst of that is that our choices are powerful. God created you. And God's plans and purposes, according to what he reveals, is to give you a hope, not to harm you, but to give you a hope and a future. His word declares that he's predestined you unto good works. That's what his word says. God's plan is good. Our failures, our hangups, our missteps, our mistakes, none of those things are part of God's plan. Oh, but what about the sovereignty of God? God is sovereign only to his word. And his word reveals that he's a good God. He's a good God. And so God has a good plan for our lives. But God believes in you and I, in all humanity so much that God created us to be the navigators of life. He gives us the map, but we must make the choices to navigate through life. And we have his word. Can I just pause right there for a minute and just say something to you all? Your attendance here plays a small part in the direction and the choices that you make. Hear what I'm saying. I'm so glad you're here this morning. I welcome you and I hope to see you again. Bring your mother, bring your father, bring your sister, bring your brother, bring the woman that sits on the stoop, bring, bring whoever, bring them all. But listen closely. God speaks intimately and personally yeah. through his word to you to me. And if all we do is just listen to what somebody tells us about God, that's a second-hand relationship. That's not God's will. We are all called to mature and to grow. And if you, we're going to make wise choices, then we got to get up close and personal with this word of God. Amen. Amen. That was free, by the way. So let's turn in our Bibles this morning to look at an example from God's word in the book of Genesis, chapter 25. Genesis 25, verses 24 through 34 is where we're going to start. Genesis 25, verses 24 through 34, starting at verse 24 says, So when her days were fulfilled for her to give birth, indeed, there were twins in her womb. Let me just stop right there and just give you some background here. This is uh, the story of uh, Isaac and his wife, uh, Rebecca. And Isaac was the son of promise to a man named Abraham. God had made a promise, a life-altering encounter is what Abraham had with him. And in the midst of that life-altering encounter, God says to Abraham, leave this land and your father's house to a land that I'm going to show you. What a choice. I'm moving and picking up and packing my bags. I don't know where I'm going. All I know is I'm going to a place that God will show me. How's that for a choice? Where are we going to live? Where are we going to work? How are we going to do this? But God said. And so Abraham makes this choice and he leaves and and God makes him a promise. And he says, I'm going to bless all the nations through you, through your seed. He says, God, I don't even have a son. My wife is childless. She can't bear kids. Fast forward. Sarah has a child. His name is Isaac. Isaac is now a man here. And Isaac is now married to a woman, Rebecca. And she cannot conceive. But God opens her womb. She has two children. And so when her days were fulfilled, this is the point at which she's given birth. It says, when her days were fulfilled for her to give birth, indeed there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red. That just means he was redhead. He was a redhead. It says, the first came out red. He was like a hairy garment all over. How's that for a description for your child? What does he look like? He looks like a hairy garment. Jeez. I'm sorry. Let's get back to the text. And so the first came out red. He was like a hairy, uh, like a hairy garment all over. So they, so they called his name Esau. After, afterward, his brother came out and his hand took hold of Esau's heel. So his name was called Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old. I'm sorry. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them when bore gave birth to his children. So the boys grew, and Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field. But Jacob was a mild man, dwelling in tents. You know what the Bible is really saying there? He was a cook. He, he stayed in the house. He cooked. He cleaned. He tended to the house. Esau was, that's my boy. He's out there hunting. He's out there fishing. He's out there bringing game. You're going to see this in the scriptures. And so it says, so the boys grew and Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field. But Jacob was a man, a mild man, dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game. But Rebekah loved Jacob. Verse 29, now Jacob cooked a stew and Esau came from the field and he was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, please feed me with that same red stew, for I am weary. Therefore, his name was called Edom. But Jacob said, some of your birthright as of this day. And Esau said, look, I'm about to die. So what's this birthright to me anyway? Then Jacob said, swear to me as of this day. And so he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. Then he ate and drank, arose, and went his way. Thus, Esau despised his birthright. So, just to understand what's going on here, both of these brothers were born with destiny beyond their ability to see. God had a purpose and a plan for them both. A plan, believe it or not, that until this day is still unfolding in this earth. Don't have time to get into that. But their birth was an indication of the results that were to come from their decisions one day. Notice that Esau, the oldest, comes out first. But Jacob, the Bible says, his hand comes out and he pulls his heel so that he could come forth. And what we see here is that Jacob was to supplant his brother's position and life. And the means by which he would do it, as we'll see, is by one life altering decision. So I just want you to understand the birth right here. In those times, when you had your firstborn son, all that you had was to be passed over to him, it wasn't just your possessions. It wasn't just your, your, your household, it, it was everything. And it was also your blessing that you would put upon your child. And so, what we see here is this, that this, this, uh, this uh, birthright represented position to rule and lead. It, it represented possession to have the resources necessary, but it also represented the blessing, the empowerment to excel in all aspects of life. And as the story goes, one one son understood the great value of the birthright, Jacob. Esau, on the other hand, didn't. And as a result, we're going to see one choice changed both their lives. The Bible says that there came a time when their father Isaac was very old. As a matter of fact, he was in his last days of life. He knew it. He knew the time had come. And so he wanted to pass on to his son Esau the birthright. And so, but the thing is that he wanted Esau to go out and hunt the game that he so loved. Remember, the Bible says that he loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Isaac preferred Esau. And so he calls his son, he says, son, go get me some game. Get me the game and when you come back, I'm going to pass on to you the birthright. The Bible says that Esau goes, but Jacob also gets wind of it. And when Jacob gets wind of it, uh, his mother gets wind of it, when his mother gets wind of it, a plan begins to unfold. So the Bible says that Jacob, uh, his mother gives him some, remember he said he was like a hairy garment? So she took some animal skin and put it on him, right? Put it on him, right? Made sure that he smelled like his brother. Now, the thing that you got to know about um, Isaac here is that Isaac couldn't see at this point in his life. He was blind. Uh, And so his son comes towards him and he he says, Father, I've prepared the stew that you wanted. And the Bible says that Isaac says, You smell like Esau and you feel like Esau, but you sound like Jacob. Are you really Esau? And he says, No, Father, it's me. And so he pulls him closer and Isaac was fooled. Isaac eats the food and then he blesses his son Jacob. He blesses him greatly. He passes on that which was supposed to be passed on to Esau by birth, by right. Let's pick up in Genesis 27 and look at verses 30 through 38. And what we're going to see here is this. What happens with one choice? In verse uh, 30, it goes on to say, Now, it happened as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob and Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, that Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. He also had made savory food and brought it to his father and said to his father, let my father arise and eat his son's game that your soul may bless me. And his father, Isaac, said to him, who are you? And so he said, I am your son, your firstborn, Esau. Then Isaac trembled exceedingly and said, Who? Where is the one who hunted game and brought it to me? I ate it all before you came and I have blessed him. And indeed, he shall be blessed. When Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, me also, O my father. But he said, your brother came with deceit and has taken away your blessing. And Esau said, is he not rightly named Jacob? For he supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright and now look, he has taken away my blessing. And he said, have you not reserved the blessing for me? Then Isaac answered and said to Esau, indeed, I have made him your master. And all his brethren I have given to him as servants. With grain and wine I have sustained him. What shall I do now for you, my son? And Esau said to his father, Have you only one blessing, my father? Bless me, me also, my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. It's interesting here. Esau had... By right, the birthright, the blessing, the possession, the position. He had it all simply by birthright. It was his. But Esau gave it up for one reason. He did not realize the power of the choice he was making. So what can we learn from the account of these two brothers? Let me start off by just leaving you with some thoughts here. Short sighted decisions today will often lead to a road of regret tomorrow. I want you to think about that. Our choices are powerful, they don't just make an impact in the immediate, they impact our tomorrows. In this case, it wasn't about the birthright. This decision wrecked this family. And it raised two nations That until this day remain at odds Listen Esau Gave up what was rightly his By one dumb choice I'm hungry He didn't think about tomorrow He thought only about today About right now We've all made choices like that We'll all face choices that may tempt us to make those kind of choices in the moment. But I want you to hear what God says in his word in Proverbs 19:2. He says, "Desire without knowledge is not good. How much more will hasty feet miss the way." This is talking about decisions. And I want you to see that a decision can't be based on solely desire. It has to include knowledge. It has to include the right resource, the right uh, type of information, whether it's the school you're going to, whether it's how you're approaching discipline with your children, whether it's how you're responding to your spouse. God has something to say in every regard about our choices. The question is, do we even care or dare to find out what God says? See, short-sighted decisions are those which do not take into account knowledge. They're impulsive They're based on misinformation or not enough information and are primarily led, listen closely, by desire. I want, I want this now. I want these results now. I want these outcomes now. But you see, if you're not digging deep in the knowledge of God's word, don't expect a harvest based on choices that lead you to life. Hmm. The problem with short-sighted decisions is that they don't take into account the way that lies ahead. And as a result, they always lead to missing the right results. The Bible says, how much more will hasty feet miss the way? Think of it. How do, how do people today get in over their heads in debt? How does that happen? Bad choices Think about it How does a marriage go bad? Bad choices yesterday How how do we end up with wrong results with our children Where they're disrespectful where Where they're out of control Bad upbringing Bad choices in the beginning See what we do yesterday impacts tomorrow So why not start today? Why not start with wise choices today? You know, something interesting about choices is that we often exaggerate our present circumstances to justify bad decisions. Think about Esau's words in Genesis 25, 32. Esau says, look, I'm about to die. I know, wives, some some of us husbands act that way. Oh, my God, I'm about to die. I'm so hungry. But was he really about to die? Esau says, I'm about to die. Watch this. So what is this birthright to me? Hmm. Bad choices are made up of exaggerated beliefs that scream, I have to do this because there is no way out. They shout at us, there's no other option for me. Sometimes they even lie to us and they say, oh, just make, just choose now. It'll work out somehow. You know, the Bible does say that God works out all things for the good to those that love Him and are called according to His purposes. That is true, but guess what? You'll have to walk through, the, through those results. God is still faithful. God will still see you through, but you will reap the consequences of the choices that you make independent of His Word. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, in the previous verses to this, God is telling us that there's an inheritance from him. And he reminds us that we're to endure in trials in life because there's something greater at work. Look at verse 6. It says, In all this you greatly rejoice, though not for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. You're going through some stuff now, but watch this. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, Of greater worth than gold Which perishes even though refined by fire May may result in praise, glory, and honor When Jesus Christ is revealed See, no matter the circumstance The best tool to use when making choices Is faith But it's faith for now that reveals hope for tomorrow What does God say that I should be doing here? Instead of blasting off at the mouth and saying things and doing things that we'll live with regret for for years. Instead of acting impulsively and then later on saying, man, why can't I get out of this mess? Why not start with what faith dictates today? Which gives us hope for tomorrow. That makes sense. As we said, choices lead us to results. But here's something about changing the tide, turning things around. When it comes to choices, when it comes to choices we've made that haven't turned out good, that we're independent of God's word, we have to own it. Here's what I mean by that. We have to recognize the choice we made. We have to understand I made this choice God it's not your fault it's not my friend's fault it's not, my, it's not these people's fault I made this choice and we have to participate with the process of fixing it rather than ignoring it and tolerating it so we have to own it and fix it rather than ignore it and tolerate it the Bible says that after this one bad choice Esau plotted to kill his brother he said I'm killing him It's the only way that I'll get what's due to me. Esau did not see the error of his choice. Instead, he blamed Jacob for his bad choice. He blamed his father. He blamed his mother. It was everybody else's fault except his. And his solution was to kill his brother. Can I just speak truthfully here? Can we just be real? Talk turkey here? We have to stop the blame game, we have to stop playing the victim. We have to to stop blaming the devil because the devil did not make you do it. The devil lied to you. You took the lie. You believed it as truth and we made choices. We got to stop blaming God because God is not the author of our problems. God is the author of our finisher and finisher of our faith. We have to stop blaming past circumstances. I'm reminded right now at this point of a friend of mine who Some time ago Gave me a call He just lost his job But what I admired In the midst of What seemed to be A really bad situation Was His approach He says I lost my job I made a choice It was with all the right intentions There was was, it, It was It was It was a It it was a good intent, but it was a misstep, or so it might seem. But in the midst of that, he loses his job, and he says, I made the choice. These are the results. I got to keep moving. I got to make other choices because there's other things that lie ahead that God has shown me. There's other things that I have yet to accomplish. Today, what was once a side business... It's booming. Where one door closed, three other ones opened up. Where, where, where in the natural it seemed like, man, this, there's going to be lack. How are we going to make it? How are we going to sustain? Where are we going to live? Where, how's, how's this all going to work out? Listen to me. When we own it and recognize where we went wrong, and we say, But God, you're still faithful, I trust you, and I'm moving forward. And we take the truth of God's word, and that's the foundation upon which we walk and we move forward. What we find is this that then all things really do work out for those that God loves and are called according to his purposes. Listen, we've all made bad choices. Let's not blame other people, let's not blame other circumstances. Own it. I made a bad choice. Learn from it. God, your word tells me differently. Here I am today with the opportunity to make better choices. And those those choices today guarantee a better tomorrow. Amen. Amen. I want to point one more thing out to you as we close here today. That if your choices got you into the situation you're in, just realize this. That your choices will get you out of your current situation. God is faithful. God is with us. He's for us. But we have to participate. Through the means of choices. Choices. What choices will we make? I leave you where we first started. Deuteronomy 30, 19. Today. I have given you the choice. Between life. And death. Between blessings. And curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness, to take note of your choice. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. Listen, your choices today impact tomorrows. But watch this. They don't just impact you. They impact those that are to come from you. Amen. Let's stand.